All right, welcome back to the Connect Together podcast by the Industrial Solutions Network. This is your regular host, person that uh, doesn't really know much, but brings on intelligent people to talk about stuff that hopefully you guys <laughs> care about. Uh, <laughs> this is Justin Brunkin. I don't know why you brought me on. <laughs> that voice I'll get to in just a bit. Um, it's It's been a bit, um, but um, we're back at it. Um, again, this is a podcast that we talk about hopefully relevant technical subjects for the manufacturing world. Um, and this podcast is part of the Industrial Solutions Network, which consists of all the CED industrial locations, industrial-focused distrib- distribution locations around the country. So, you know, that includes the CES up in the Northwest, the Royal Industrial Solutions in California. Uh, we have Mosba in Pittsburgh, Tri-State in Pittsburgh, Baldwin Hall up in New York, CEDs in Nebraska and Kentucky, Keith Lee Patterson's Arkansas, rents and houses in Kansas City area, and so on. So a lot of different locations. I say that every time. Um, but today we have uh, some geniuses, you know, super smart. And that was Quinn earlier, which I'll get to, uh, wondering why he's on. But, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about. Um, we have some individuals from our Nebraska locations uh, focused today on a topic uh, that I think is super important um, is safety, and specifically with uh, OEMs and what it means when they build safe machines. And we had to bring some experts on today. Um, we have a couple of them, so it's going to be a nice party today. Uh, we have uh, Quinn Mendick. I hope I say that always correct. And then Dan Van Dam. It's close enough. <laughs> Don't correct me. This is my show. I shouldn't have even asked. We like to call we like to call Dan Van Dam DVD. DVD. Yeah, my name is a lot easier to say. It just rolls off the tongue. Dan Van Dam DVD. DVD is a little old school. We don't do DVDs anymore. It's streaming now. That's true. But But you can still get them in the mail. (laughs) Can you? I think get them at Walmart. Yeah. Really? Five dollar bin at Walmart. That's wow. a deal. I didn't know people actually like still buy DVDs anymore. I don't even know if I have a DVD player anymore. But you know, yeah, I have to play mine on one of my old MacBooks that still can play DVDs. <laughs> well, as old technology like DVDs are old, and we have OEMs building new and improved technology, how does safety go with that? Uh, that's a good segue, huh? Um, we have experts yeah, Quinn beautiful. and Dan on to. Uh, talk about um, something. And we had a conversation earlier before we got in the podcast here. Um, well, hey, before I get into that, how about I have you guys introduce yourselves and a little bit about yourselves and, you know, why you're experts. Quinn? Yeah, guys. So I'm Quinn. Uh, I've been a part of the Nebraska team for um, almost seven years now. Um, the first three years with CED, uh, I was an account manager. Um, the last three and a half years, I have been our component specialist as part of the Solutions Consultant Network team. Um, loved it. I love getting out, seeing different customers all the time, seeing different applications. So, you know, we've been doing a lot with safety here in the last two or three years. It seems to be a push and on everybody's mind. So that's why we're here to talk about it. Um, my name is Dan Van Dam. I'm the CED technical consultant for OEMs, and I'm in a new role. So I just joined the CED team about uh, seven months ago, back in March. 
right in the middle of COVID. So that was interesting. Um, before that, I was with Rockwell for eight years. I was a field service engineer. So my job was to support Rockwell's customers and see these customers in the Nebraska area. If it said Alan Bradley on it, I was supposed to know how to fix it and how to make it work. So pretty broad experience in that world. Uh, now I'm happy to be working with our OEM partners here in this area. Awesome. And today we're talking about uh, safe machines with OEM. So how can and why and what can they do OEMs on building safe machines for their end users? And a lot of this came up, you know, Quinn, you said, why is, you said safety is on people's minds. I mean, why, why is safety on people's minds right now? Uh, there's just an industry push for, you know, operators that are working um, on machines want to feel safe. Um, OSHA's here now. I mean, how many times do you hear about OSHA shutting down a plant because someone lost a finger or had a recordable in- incident that could have been easily prevented? Um, when OSHA comes in, they stop production um, and they don't let you continue production until what they deemed needs fixed has been fixed. So when you think about um, the dollar amounts that would come with having to shut down production on a plant for a significant period of time versus um, if you would have just designed the machine safe in the first place or retrofitted the machine to be safe, um, that's mainly why there's a big industry trend because if you don't and someone gets injured, the fines are astronomical um, and you don't want to be involved in that liability. But um, people are hesitant because, you know, they have some stigmas in the back of their head about safety that um, it's way too expensive. I can't do it. Um, it's going to hamper productivity, um, things like that. Um, it's difficult. I don't understand it. Um, I don't want to be liable. And those are all serious concerns that they should have. But I mean, that's what CED is here for to help them walk them through that process. So, you know, one of the reasons we're, uh, we're kind of doing this podcast is you guys came to me and Dan, specifically the conversation we had before the podcast, um, you were saying that, you know, it was really interesting when you went around talking to, uh, uh, machine builders and OEMs, uh, about their equipment and what they're building and the safety of them, you were you were somewhat surprised and you know curious about what you're hearing from the customers. I'd love to have you share that with everyone, and I think that's a great start to this sort of conversation. Sure. Um, so as part of my new role, going, I'm trying to get to know our OEM customers and our partners in the area. We've got a lot of custom machine builders. We've got a lot of OEMs that we work with here in CD in Nebraska. And I want to get, you know, build our relationship with them. So as a part of getting to know them and talking to them, I've had several conversations with them about, you know, what they do and what differentiates them, what sets them apart. Um, some of the main things, you know, they're quick to tell you how robust their machines are. They're quick to tell you how how fast their engineering process is and how happy they are to bend over backwards to make their customers, to meet their customers' needs. But I've also had several conversations with OEMs where they've expressed hesitation or reservations about, you know, getting into the safety space where maybe they've said, hey, we do this on our machines and this is how we do safety because that's how we've always done it. But I'm asking myself, like, is is how you've always done it really the best way to do it? Is that really the right way to do it? 
Um, so it raised some red flags. I've had OEMs express to me that they don't want to touch safety because it's not their legal responsibility. So they'll just do whatever the end user tells them to do. But I think that safety on your machine can be a huge differentiator. I think that if you are willing to take the time and invest into your own machine and to your own people, then you can build a machine that's going to be better than your competitors. And just one component of that can be the, how you excel in the safety, right? How you put a, a system on your machine that's going to be safe, that you know is safe, that you're confident to go out and talk to your end users and say, hey, we did our due diligence. We designed this thing. We've tested this thing. We validated this thing. We know it's going to meet your requirements and it's going to make your, your machine better, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're all worried about. We're worried about our end users' productivity, right? If, if our safety system is slowing them down or if our machine is causing them extra jams or, or whatever, extra headaches, we don't want that. We CD, we don't want that. Our OEM partners don't want that. Our end users don't want that. And uh, I think we recognize, and Quinn could talk more about this, how safety can actually make a machine better, can make a machine safer, can make a machine more productive if it's done in the right way. And that's what we want to try to preach to people is doing it in the right way doesn't have to be scary. Doing, doing it in the right way doesn't have to be, you know, the, uh, the end of the world. It's not going to take six-figure checks to, to do it the right way. You don't have to do it all on your own. We're here to help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people are very, very scared. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question. Yeah, if, you know, I was going to ask like about some trends and stuff and we'll get to like how, you know, there's things that we can do to help, but, you know, you you guys kind of talked to that, talked about that is that some customers, you know, you when you talk to them, they didn't even know what to do. They don't know what, you know, I think you mentioned a performance level or safety performance level, and they're a little scared on what they should be doing. How is that a trend for most OEMs out there? Um, why is that? And um, I think the legal issue is interesting because um, that could be a fear and it could be legitimate. How can you address that and respond to, you know, uh, legal concerns about like, safety and people's lives that you uh, I mean, have machines for here's my piece on that if i'm an end user right i'm buying a machine let's say i make pepperonis i'm buying a machine that slices pepperonis i would love to buy that machine knowing i mean and this is just me i don't know why everyone doesn't think like this but i would love to buy that machine knowing it's already gone through a risk assessment, knowing that it's already been proven safe, knowing that all of the safety devices are already on that machine. So I don't even have to think about it. Like, I don't understand why. Um, I, I mean, I do understand why, but I mean, ideal for me, that would be our ideal situation is to have North America be similar to Europe and the fact that, um, our end users don't have to worry about if a, if our operators at end users don't have to worry about if they're going to get their hand taken off in a machine because it's already been proven safe and they already know what safety level it meets um, and it's documented. So there, so there's definitely just to clarify. Oh, go ahead, Dan. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to answer your question about the liability piece. So we know that there's a difference and not to get too technical or anything, 
But in Europe, the OEMs are responsible for safety, right? They're held accountable. In the United States, it's end users are held accountable. So in, in the United States, an OEM is not legally responsible, not required to add any sort of safety to their system. It's entirely up to the end user. But we see that end users more and more are pushing that responsibility onto their OEMs. They're asking their OEMs to provide a solution or to provide a system that they can be confident in. And that's because end users have a ton to do every day, right? They they got to get product out the door. So they don't necessarily want to spend their time thinking about, well, did did somebody do a risk assessment on this? Has it been properly remediated? They want to spend their time, you know, making pizzas. Um, so that's where we can help. And that's where we think our, our OEM partners can differentiate themselves because they can say to their end users, yeah, I, I can certify this machine meets a certain performance level. I know that this machine is going to be safe for these types of applications. And I can take all that off your plate. And that, I think, is a huge differentiator. Right, as you're trying to build, as an OEM is trying to build a partnership with their end users and trying to get that repeat business and trying to get, you know, those projects that just keep coming down the funnel. I think that being a trusted partner in the safety space and being able to say, yeah, we don't have any problems dealing with them. We don't have to worry about, you know, redesigning their system or changing it to meet our specifications. We know it's safe. We're confident. We're comfortable. I think that can be a huge differentiator for our partners. And that's why, you know, we want to be comfortable in this space. We want to encourage those conversations, not to say, you know, we're just going to snap our fingers and everyone's going to start Mm -hmm. making safe machines. But as we talk about it, there's a, there's an index, right? We, we all have room to mature on that index. So, yeah. So, I mean, you guys hit it uh, pretty well right there. Um, Number one, safety is extremely important to end users. Um, for various reasons, their own employee workforce safety and just regulations and OSHA and even just the money of uh, not being able to run their facility and making the products that they're supposed to be making. And historically, most of these OEMs didn't worry about the safety of the machines because it was always on the end user. But now you are saying that the end users are almost uh, demanding or wanting the OEM to focus on that. And then the OEMs right now are just not, uh, or most of them just aren't in the practice and awareness of how to actually do that because they've historically not had to do that. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. So, um, a common instance is we have a couple OEMs, um, that are really good with safety that, um, have been doing safety for the last 15 years. They include them on all their projects. They do their own risk assessments. They're awesome. I mean, we have those customers, but we also have customers who don't do jack with safety. So, um, like, I forgot where I was going to go with this. <laughs> they don't do jack with some, don't do you're jack with me- safety. You're, you're just making me real nervous. I don't want you to start naming names and, and putting people <laughs> on the spot, Quinn. <laughs> no names, I, but I, I think I think customer stories are quite important because I, I, I really think customers, you know, th- they're thinking about this stuff all the time and they don't know what where they're at on this. You know, some may think they put safety on there, but they don't actually. Some actually probably do a great job and some are like, Man, I have these customers asking for safety. What the hell do I do? <laughs> right? Um, I don't I don't yeah. think 
I think cus- I think our customers and OEMs are in the whole spectrum around the country, and even if they say they are not, so I I, I think it's a good conversation. Um, and uh, uh, trying to figure out you know what those pain points are, and then we'll get to like like you guys talk about. There's things to do that can that can probably help this out with the risk assessment. The um, what does proven safe mean, and how to determine that. Dan, yeah, I, I would love for you to tell the. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to tell a story, but you tell me which story you want to hear. <laughs> I was, was going to say, you know, he, J- Brunken said, you know, we have some customers that put safety on machines, but then find out it's not really safe. Uh, if you tell that one story about we had a customer ship a machine out, they thought it was safe. The customer came back to the OEM and said, hey, we don't really think this machine's safe. Is the warranty on our machine still going to be okay if we add what we need to do to make this machine safe to our standards? <laughs> is basically how well, I, I mean, went down, right? You, you just told the whole story, Quinn, so <laughs> I'll just yeah. add to it a little bit. I, I yeah, kind of I mean, had so, a feeling that, that was going to happen. Can you, can you Reese, do the story and just make it more exciting than what Quinn just did? Sure. So <laughs> just kidding, talking, I was talking to, I was talking to an engineer from one of our local OEMs and they said that they'd sold a machine to a customer and that end user came back to them and wanted to modify the safety system because they felt like it wasn't up to their standard. And they wanted to make sure that doing those modifications were not going to avoid the OEM's warranty. And the OEM's response was basically, sure, do whatever you feel like you need to, to make the machine safe. And that to me was a red flag because one, I would expect our OEMs to be able to say, well, you shouldn't have to make any modifications because it meets this standard, right? We did a risk assessment. We know what the hazards are and we've successfully and properly remediated those hazards. So that was kind of a red flag for me. It's like, I feel like our OEM is leaving some money on the table and maybe maybe setting a bad precedent for their for their end user to where their end user is not confident and not comfortable with the solution that they're providing. But also the OEM has a chance to shine, right? If they can say, well, actually we did the safety assessment. We've done this. We're comfortable with this. We've spent our time and our money to make sure that your machine is safe, right? That's a huge differentiator. Now, the next time that, that end user comes back to buy a machine, they're going to be comfortable and confident that what they're asking for is what they're getting versus the hesitation that maybe, well, they said it's safe, but then once we get it on site and we have to do our own risk assessment, that costs us money. And now we have to do a remediation on this machine that we just bought. That costs us money, right? An OEM has a chance to differentiate themselves by proving that they're safe by following this this safety life cycle that we talk about and making sure that they've delivered a best-in-class solution. Right there, all of our OEMs are trying to deliver best-in-class solutions. They want the most robust machines. They want the smartest machines. They want machines that are going to be super productive, right? High yeah. uptime. But we also want them to start thinking about: Is my machine the safest it can be, and how is that going to affect my customer's perception of me? And I think that's an important thing to consider. Yeah. I so love- the other story I was going to tell. This is a different different OEM, different scenario, but I was talking to a, a engineer that's responsible for designing systems, and I was asking him, what standards are you being held to, right? What performance levels are your end users asking for? And he just told me, he's like, you know what? They're not asking for much, 
And I honestly don't really know. I don't know what performance level we're achieving. I just know this is how we've always done it. And this is how we're going to keep doing it. And that to me is, again, a missed opportunity because you can start to differentiate yourself by saying, yeah, we're meeting this standard. We're always going to give you, you know, performance level D, whatever. Um, and that you're just leaving money on the table, in my opinion. Hmm. But what do I know? You know a lot. That's why I brought you onto the show, Dan. If you're on the well, show, you. You, if you're on the show, you know a lot. That's a that's a that's a fact, for sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think what you're saying is great. Now, like what you guys said that there's like this, you know, the OEM thought that they had a safe machine. Their end user said, "Nope." Um, what is a safe machine. What is machine safety? If if there's this difference of opinion between the OEM and end user, you know, how do we how do we get them on the same page? What is it? What's that definition? Um, so we can figure out what to do next. That's a great question. So I'm sure a lot of people are afraid of safety because there's a lot of gray in safety. There's not a lot of yes, no, um, black, white. Uh, a lot of gray up for interpretation. Um, you know, I, I get those questions a lot. Hey, what safety level does this mean? Um, is this safety enough? Um, do I need more safety? And the answer to the all three of those questions is I don't know. Um, that is what a risk assessment is for. That um, will look at the hazards on the machine. It will identify the hazards. It will um, evaluate those hazards. How dangerous are they? How frequently are you exposed? And then it will also give you um, a plan to mitigate those hazards. Um, without a risk assessment, without the documentation, um, anything you do to a machine uh, is basically pointless because you're still liable. Um, anytime an end user makes changes to a machine um, without some sort of risk assessment process, and that can be a Rockwell risk assess assessment, that can be um, we have integrators that we can partner with to come do a risk assessment. Um, we have Rockwell software we can sell you. So you can at customer XYZ can perform your own risk assessment. But some sort of risk assessment has to be done to answer that question accurately. Um, as to what performance level did I meet and is the safety on this machine enough to meet that performance level? And if it's not, what do I need to add to meet that? All has to be done through a risk assessment, which is the first step of the safety life cycle and the most important step. So if I'm hearing that correctly, it's kind of, it's a three step sort of process. So first, like, I don't even know if my machine's safe. I need to figure out if it's safe and what the hazards are. That's an assessment, right? And then... Two, it's like, okay, you find out there's assessments. How, what sort of products and things can you do to it? Or what can you do, either change of design or products added to mitigate those hazards? And then you somehow need to test and prove, right? Or show that uh, this product is safe. Validate. Validate. See, that's, see, this is why you're on the show, Quinn. Validate is great. Validate. So, so you make you make changes. So basically the way risk assessment works is they identify the hazards. They say, hey, these are the hazards that um, you need to protect. You protect them. Um, and and they, get, they tell you 
I mean, they'll, they'll print you out a report that says, you know, if you want to meet performance level D, you need to add a light curtain here with um, a safety input and a drive with safe torque off here. Um, and if you do that, um, you'll meet performance level D. Um, so everything's got to be documented, which is nice. Um, and yeah, there are three ways to do that risk assessment process. Uh, Rockwell risk assessment, um, we have integrators that do them, or we can sell our own software. But um, those three things need done. And the validation piece of it, um, so once we go and make it safe, um, we have to like do all of these tests. So we have to interject faults in that safety system. Like we have to um, simulate a contact being welded or um, a short circuit to 24 volts. And there's like three or four or five, six things, depending on um, your safety system that you have, but you have to actually interject these faults that could happen um, in real time. And your safety system has to act accordingly every time, put the machine in a safe state for it to actually be um, considered a safe machine. Like it has to go through that validation process where every one of those steps is taken. Um, to make sure it'll protect against every single possibility. When you guys keep I think saying, important. wait, sorry, one, th sorry, it didn't interrupt, Dan. Uh, I guess I'm confused because I'm a dummy. Um, expand on what performance level D is, and are there different performance levels, and what's going on with that? Yeah, yeah, so I would love it if I could show a graphic here, but I can't. <laughs> so this is radio. So, so no basics. I'll, yeah. I'll add it later. I know. I, I got a face for radio. Um, <laughs> so basically, risk claim. assessment is you have a hazard and a task, and there are these different performance levels that you can um, design a machine to. One is called performance level. Um, the other one's called a SIL level, which stands for safety integrity level. And then in the past, in the United States, we used to do category levels as well. Um, we don't really see category levels as much in the past 10 years. You either see performance level or still that category level standard has kind of fallen off and been replaced by performance level. But it's basically how you talk about safety um, when it comes to a machine, right? So um, performance level E is the highest level of safety you can have. Performance level A is the lowest. So kind of like a car. When they put a brand new Ford F-150 through all of the crash test ratings that it does from the front, from the back, from the side, it gets, um, you know, out of five stars in each one of those locations. Um, that, you know, this is the best safety rating um, in the industry if this car struck head on. It gets five out of five stars. This is kind of a way to look at that, that. You know, this is performance level E. It's five out of five stars. That means it's designed to the highest level of safety. And performance levels and SILs, if you line them up right next to each other, are pretty straightforward across. But without a diagram, it's kind of hard for me to help everyone understand um, safety levels and what they mean and the difference in them and how they're met. So another another easy way to think about it is how much damage is this machine going to do to my body if I touch that dangerous thing, right? So if there's some spinning piece of equipment and I touch it, it's going to take my arm off, then that dictates a certain performance level, 
And that's really all it is, right? To decide, to identify a hazard and to decide the performance level. You're just trying to make an honest assessment of how much damage it's going to do to a human being if they touch that hazard. And and all it is is a flow chart of three questions. So the first question you ask is how severe is the injury? It's either severe or not severe. Um, And the way you... Severe is defined as can be treated by plant-applied first aid. So basically a cut is all that falls under non-severe. Like you can band-aid it with my first aid kit that I have. Uh, anything that you need more than a plant-applied first aid kit um, is considered a severe injury. So that's the first question. The second question is frequency of exposure. So am I going to have to come into contact with this spinning blade once every week or once every hour. So frequency of exposure is the second one. And then three, the third question is, what's the probability that I can avoid this hazard? So, you know, if it's something very slow moving towards you or a press going down very slow, you can probably avoid that hazard. But if it's something like a spinning blade that you're trying to walk past, you probably can't. So those are the three questions that, you know, on a flow chart, how you answer them um, basically tell you the safety level you need to design your machine to according to that hazard. And the thing I want to point out, and I see this with a lot of customers, is there's a hesitation to, to really do a true risk assessment because there's this, there's this understanding that anybody can walk the machine and look at it and see what's dangerous, right? All of us could do that. The real benefit to doing a true safety risk assessment is you're, you're giving yourself the documentation. Like you and I, Justin, could go walk up to a machine at a customer site, and we could do a risk assessment in a matter of minutes. The real benefit to doing having an integrator do it or having an OEM do it or having Rockwell do it Non-bias. is they're providing some documentation that you can then stand on, right? So in a worst-case scenario, You've got that documentation, all your I's are dotted, all your T's are crossed. Because really, it's just a question of identifying the hazard. Like, if I look at that hazard and I think, yep, that's going to cut my hand off. Yep, I have to do that every hour to clear a jam. Well, that's a certain performance level I need to, to design to. And anybody can do that level of, you know, analysis. It's really, is that documented? And that's, that's the key, right? And that's where we can help take some of that burden off of our end users because we can do that documentation so they don't have to worry and they have the answer. Yep, I know it's good. I know it's good because so-and-so gave me a document that says it's good and I trust them, right? It's, it's helping to shift some of that liability. It's helping to ease some of that fear. Yeah, so. it still comes down to trust for sure, though, that that documentation and is... Uh... Uh, is good. <laughs> and and I yeah, think and it's correctly. better and for it correctly, to, correct. I think it's better for it to come from a third party source because they're unbiased about yeah. the situation and the machine that they're looking at. Um, if you have someone do an in-house risk assessment, if you have um, a guy do an in-house risk, risk assessment and he knows he's going to be the one that's also going to have to, um, do all the work on the machine too. He might lie about some of the hazards and some of the answers to those three questions we asked. So he doesn't have to meet as high of a performance level because that's going to mean a lot more work for him. 
So are, are these OEMs and, and users trying to get down to only non-severe sort of injuries, or is it just like a risk-to-cost assessment or productivity-to-risk sort of assessments? Or is that just a really com um, complicated I mean question? <laughs> Go ahead, Quinn. Yeah, I mean, you... A customer can completely design a machine to be safe. Yes. I mean, they can completely design a machine so you can't be hurt on it. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, we don't want you to have any injury. We don't want you to have a non-severe injury either. Um, so that's the goal is, you know, eliminate all injuries. And that, that is what we do. So, yeah, we don't want any, any injuries, whether they're, we don't want to reduce um, the level of injury that will happen, we want to eliminate the risk of an injury happening. Cool. So, uh, what are some, I mean, I'm listening to all these sort of stories and things like, are there any like myths or things that you guys hear that's like, man, that is completely wrong, but a common sort of like thought out there in the OEM and user world that's involved with like machine safety? The only thing I can think of is safety hampers productivity. I mean, that's, that's a common thing that everyone thinks of that in that that's almost the first thing that everyone says when you bring that up, when you're having a conversation like this is, yeah, we think safety is great, but we bypass it because it hampers productivity. All of our maintenance guys carry around a magnet in their pocket and bypass the safety switches because it hampers productivity. And a lot of times it does hamper productivity when it's added on after the fact and it's not thought about and the safety life cycle and the safety process um, wasn't done correctly. Um, when, when safety is designed correctly, it should never hamper productivity and it won't hamper productivity. That is the biggest myth um, that I would like to put to bed. Uh, safety does not hamper productivity if done correctly. And I would add to that, Safety, if done correctly, right? If it's if a safety system is designed and properly it implemented, can increase. yeah, you can actually increase productivity because you can make troubleshooting easier. You can make uh, maintenance faster because you're if you can eliminate the need to do a lockout tagout procedure on a machine, and you can reduce that down to well, I'm going to open this door and it's going to be a safe, you know, safely controlled hazard. You've now increased your uptime you've increased your availability a, for your machine because a lot of times those panels to lock out a machine are a quarter of a mile across the plant and instead of going to lock out your machine and walking all the way back working on the machine then redoing that you could put a machine in jog mode which basically puts the machine into a slow speed mode where um, the hazards aren't great enough for you to be injured on um, so the maintenance guy can work on it and uh, what we call jog mode or safe speed mode. Yeah. So yeah, that actually would eliminate the need for lockout tagout with the, it's called the minor servicing exception, safety minor servicing exception. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a, that's a, that's a great point for sure. Um, okay. So we know some of the issues here, what safety is, what, you know, but now what can OEMs do today? Like I know a lot of OEMs are all over the spectrum of where they're at possibly and making the machines that they build safe. But 
you know, if depending on where they're at in the spectrum or anywhere on the spectrum of that, like what should they do today or what can they do today? Go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was looking at you thinking Quinn's going to have a great answer for this. <laughs> you didn't see my finger on not. my nose over here. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. This is made for radio, man. Um, so I would say the first thing to do is no matter where you are on that safety maturity index is, is take a realistic look at yourself and start a conversation, right? Just start a conversation internally or bring your trusted CED account manager or call me. You know, we can start to have a conversation about where are you today and where would you like to be, right? What trends are you seeing from your end users, right? Are your end users asking for things that you're not comfortable delivering? And if they are, let us help you figure out how to deliver those solutions. Are you seeing opportunities where maybe your end users would like to have an extra service, but you're not sure how to deliver that? Let's have that conversation. I think that really the place to start is, a, is an honest evaluation of your own capabilities and then have a conversation about how do you take the next step, right? Whether that's we want to figure out how to do in-house safety assessments that we can rely on, or maybe it's we want to identify a partner that can come do that for us. Or maybe it's we just want to have like a rudimentary understanding of what a performance level even is, right? Like identify, have a conversation and start to identify what you need. Don't be afraid of it. Like, let's talk through it and let's get better. I mean, that's really, that would be my, my first step for anyone is let's have a conversation about it. Yeah. You, you crushed that answer. I mean, that, that, that's where we have to start. I mean, we can't, we can't dive into the specifics of how to design a safety system and talk about risk assessments. If uh, we have no buy-in from our customer at all. And I mean, some customers, we won't have any buy-in at all from safety. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, sometimes, um, yeah, we just have customers that we won't get bought in and we know that. And um, it'll be like that. I hate to say it until someone gets injured and they have to do something. I mean, sometimes OSHA is our best sales guy. So um, it's unfortunate that that has to happen. But, you know, like anything, even smart devices or smart sensors, you know, I can waste my time talking to this company down the street that I know is never going to put a smart sensor on their line, but it's just wasting my time. So we have to identify those customers that we think um, can find value in safety and have end customers who find value in safety and attack those ones. And, um, yeah, divvy out our time wisely talking to OEMs that we think will actually buy into our message. Yeah, that, that, that understand what you said earlier about, you know, if safety is done correctly on machines, it can actually better their production. And that's the whole goal of most of uh, uh, the manufacturing uh, processes and uh, uh, facilities out there. So, um, so yeah, have a, so you're saying basically have a conversation internally and then have that conversation externally, um, you know, with us and what we can do. So us with the Industrial Solutions Network, we have Dan's and Quinn's like they're in Nebraska right now, but we have Dan and Quinn's all over the country with all our uh, 80 locations focused on industrial. What, you know, you know, they come to you and have a conversation. What can we do for them right now? I, I mean, every, everything starts with a conversation. We got to know where the customer is, where their head's at before we can do anything, before we can, 
figure out how to talk to their level about safety. I mean, it could be someone who, you know, I mean, wants to learn about safety, maybe like you, Brunken, but just has no idea. I mean, we got to figure out um, who our customer is um, and how to face our message for that specific customer. I think I would say once, once we start that conversation, there's a lot we can do as CED to help you solve the problems that you're seeing, right? If you're willing to share that with us, if you're willing to share with us and say, hey, my end user asked me for this or my management is asking for this, right? We can find solutions, right? Whether that's training or maybe that's a partner that you need that can come in and provide the risk assessments or come in and do the remediation. Or maybe you just need a little bit of like a, you know, somebody that can, you can bounce ideas off of and you can just say, hey, I chose this safety switch for this application. Does that even make sense? Can that even be wired this way? I mean, so there is a huge variety of, of questions that we can answer and solutions that we can offer. Um, like Quinn said earlier, and I, I think we should hammer this home, really the place to start is to talk about safety assessments, risk assessments on your machines, right? If, if you don't have a good risk assessment and you're interested in making a machine safe, you need to do a risk assessment, whether you do it yourself or you have a partner, a trusted partner come and do it. Right? We can help facilitate some of those conversations. We can help answer some of those questions. We can help bring a partner to your, to your team. So, I mean, AIM can be the, the project manager and you don't even have to worry about anything as the customer. I mean, we could literally have AIM be the product, project manager and basically do everything on that. Yep. And for everyone out there, AIM, AIM Services is our, it's kind of like our industrial solutions network dedicated uh, specialty services um, uh, partner and stuff like that. So yeah, we've had to have an AIM podcast. (laughs) We have, but you know, I, I would love for all our customers and employees to listen to every single one of our episodes in my episodes, but who knows if they do, but uh, anyways, OEMs out there, uh, literally if you're interested in i guess machine safety and what it can do for you and your end users have a have a conversation with if you're in nebraska have a conversation with dan and quinn it's free the conversation's free you know how can they help you make your products safer and help your end users out too and make them more productive it's that simple um that's what you can do if you'd want today so hopefully this episode was helpful thank you so much Dan and Quinn. We have Dan and Quinn's and people you can have a conversation with around the country that you can just start with to figure out, you know, what machine safety means for you and your products as an OEM. Um, Any last thoughts, Dan and Quinn, before we sign off here? Risk assessment, risk assessment, (laughs) risk assessment. I can't believe I said that three times in a row without messing (laughs) up. I mean, risk assessments and that's, where, that's where it all starts. And, you know, it all starts with, you know, having a conversation with your customers um, and trying to get information from them. Um, like I said, safety's picking up here in the past five years and more companies are adapting and more end users are specking safety now in their machine designs. Um, you, they've always been able to spec what products go into their machines. We want to use 
um, Allen Bradley products for the controls. Okay, well now you they're also saying we want this spec to be performance level X. So that's something we're also seeing now. So some end users are specking out that they want safety on their machines. So that's kind of um, where we're seeing this going. I mean, my last thought would be, if you've been doing something for, for 15 years, that's awesome. But start to think about what are you going to do for the next 15 years, right? What, how are you changing? Are you willing to change? Are you looking for new opportunities? Are you looking to improve? And obviously there's lots of different ways to improve, but I think that increasing your confidence and in providing a, a more robust and more, um, more reliable safety system is a great way for some of our OEMs to differentiate themselves. So just think about that. How do you want to differentiate yourself from your competitors and how do you want to meet your customers' needs? And I think that safety can be a big part of that. That's awesome. Well, I can tell you two care. You guys are passionate about this. You know what you're talking about. Really appreciate you coming on. I know you guys told me before this podcast, that's all you like to talk about at the bar. Uh, when you're having a couple of drinks is safety, 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 not sports or anything like that. So, uh, really appreciate you taking your bar conversation onto my podcast. Uh, I thought it was uh, super informative, helped me understand it. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert now, but at least I know what the heck to talk about, uh, with OEMs and everything out there. So I hope, uh, everyone out there had, uh, got some insight, understand what to do next steps and why it could be valuable and why you should care about, uh, machine safety on your OEM products. So, um, thank you so much for taking what these 45 minutes to, uh, talk to me and everyone out there. And I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Yeah. yeah thank you for, for taking us. the time. It's great to come on. Well, there you go. That's, uh, another episode of, uh, the connect together podcast by the industrial solutions network. Um, this is a podcast that we talk about topics inform me others out there. We bring on smart people like Dan and Quinn. Uh, you can, uh, you know, subscribe and download the podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud. That's it right now. We're we'll getting it on other channels here uh, at some point when I get some time. Uh, but right now, subscribe. There's a lot of good episodes. Um, we've had even past episodes, like Quinn said, about AIM and other sort of services and safety that we have. So really appreciate all you guys listening in. Um, again, check out uh, our safety specialists around the country at CES up in the Northwest. Royal Industrial Solutions in California, Keith B. Patterson in Arkansas, CED in Nebraska, Renson House in Kansas, Missouri area, uh, you have Mo's Bar uh, in Tri-State in Pennsylvania, um, you have CED in E&H in Kentucky, Baldwin Hall up in New York, etc. So reach out, thanks so much, again, we'll have another episode soon and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you then. Alright, thanks. Thanks.